right, good morning, everybody. Everybody having a good day so far? Good. Good. <laughs> no, no more caffeine, Heather. So if uh, you're visiting with us today, it's an honor to have you. And everybody that's here, it's great. And all the folks that are online, great to have you with us. And uh, we're going to get into some powerful stuff this morning as we talk about the Great Commission and that it is a co-mission. And to get us started, I, I first of all want to thank all of you for this service and last service because I was a little nervous. I haven't seen a lot of you without your mask for nearly two years. And I got to be honest, you're a good looking group. I got, you know, but I, I don't know what it was, but at least 10 people have offered me a mask. I'm not sure what that says, but anyway, it's good to be here. Absolutely great to be here. Um, on your bulletin, and this is really important, we got two really cool things going on. The first one is, and you'll see, it gives you uh, some information about a card. And right there uh, on your seats is a 3 by 5 card. And what that card is, is uh, we are at the midway point of Core 52. It's hard to believe this is week 26. But we would love to hear what your core verses are in your life. So this month, just write a verse or two that has really inspired you. If you want to write a little sentence or two about that, we would love to post those stories. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you, it will inspire and encourage others. So whatever verses over the years have really encouraged you, write it on this card. We have a box in the back. Make sure you uh, check that out. And then at the end of the message, you're going to hear about a challenge. And uh, I think you're going to be excited about the challenge and how we're all in this together as we move forward uh, with the great commission of Christ. So um, let's pray, and then we're going to dive in. Our Heavenly Father, we cannot praise you enough that we can gather here. And we love you so much for the freedom that we have in Christ. We know that uh, across the way that there are those right now that are struggling for their lives. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll be with the churches in Ukraine, that you'll help those believers uh, have hope in you in these uh, desperate situations that are going on. And most of all, we praise you for Christ and what he's done for each and every one of us. And it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. So as we've done before, we're on week 26, and our text is Matthew 28, 18 through 20. So we're going to stand and read this together, and we're also going to read Acts 1, 8 together, and it'll make sense as we do that. So everybody stand, and the verse will come up, and uh, let's go ahead and read this together. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And Acts 1, 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay, you may be seated. I love the whole idea that we are in this commission together, and I love how Matthew lines this whole thing up. Matter of fact, one of the things that I love about Matthew, there's a couple, but here's one of them. I love the fact that Matthew, and it's a mystery, goes straight from the resurrection of Jesus, and he goes fast forward right into the Great Commission. I say that because there were at least 13 things that happened over those 40 days between the resurrection and his ascension. 
after the resurrection, Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene. He appears to the women. He appears to the two believers on the road to Emmaus. He appears to the apostles behind locked doors. He appears to the apostles, including Thomas. He provides a miraculous catch of fish. He reconciles with Peter on the beach. Jesus appears to more than 500 people at the same time. He appears to James. And then in Acts 1.8, he ascends into heaven. James, excuse me, Matthew wants all of us to know how important it is that this commission is for them and it's for us. And I'll be honest, when we went through this whole process of the name, Westside Community Church, you would have thought that was a simple thing. But folks, I got to tell you, the hours and hours that went into gathering all the information and the feedback and the elders praying through it. Uh, but out of this, more importantly than the name, to be honest, was there was a process that came through. And the process is these three words, so, grow, and go. Would you say that with me? So, grow, go. Now that, again, seems too simple, but it's a great commission. And that's what we're going to talk about today, what that really means. Today, we're going to see how the Great Commission is truly our mission. And right there at the beginning, let's look at that word, so. In the very first part of Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Here's the other thing I love about Matthew. Matthew cuts to the chase and he gets the Great Commission. But what he also does is he tells us to start the whole commission. This is by the authority of Jesus Christ. Matthew loves to talk about the authority of Jesus. In Matthew 7, 29, he talks about the authority behind the teachings of Jesus. In Matthew 8, he talks about the authority of his healings. In Matthew 10, Jesus even allows the disciples to experience for a short time his authority. But in Matthew 28, he said, Jesus has all the authority. Folks, that's a big deal. As you read this, you realize Jesus Christ is doubling down on the Great Commission for every one of us here. And then here is an agricultural principle to keep in mind. Ecclesiastes 11.6. Sow your seed in the morning and at the evening. Let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that or whether will do equally well. In other words, he said, you just do what you know you should do. And you take these seeds of righteousness and you go out into the world day in and day out. And as you plant those, you have no idea what God can do with that. For example, we know how important the fruit of the Spirit is in Galatians 5. And in the fruit of the Spirit, we know that if we plant seeds of love instead of hate, amazing things can happen. If we plant seeds of peace instead of seeds of drama, great things can happen. If we plant seeds of faith and not seeds of fear... We can help change people's lives. A few years ago, it's actually been a couple, but it seems like an eternity. It was June of 2020. Anybody remember that month? Good times, wasn't it? Uh, the world was in complete chaos, and I had this ridiculous idea, and Mike Richardson helped me pull it off. Is I, I thought it would be great to go through the entire book of James, or James, the entire book of John, and every day interview somebody different, specifically about that chapter. So I remember... John chapter 1, we start with Tom Ellsworth, and every day I would interview somebody different. And uh, I'm telling you, it looked great on paper, but making that come about was just difficult. 
But here's what I love the most. And I don't even know how it started, but the, at the end of every interview, I would ask one question. Tell me why, tell me why you love Jesus. And he'd get real quiet every time. And then you could see the tears well up. I remember my daughter, Danielle, just started crying, and she quoted an old hymn. And uh, when she was done, uh, Mike Richardson said, oh, no, we're not going to be able to keep that because there's a lawnmower in the background. And so I'm like, work up the tears again, Danielle. That's hell, you know. But I just remember just setting back almost like you're on holy ground and hearing people talk about Jesus. Don't you love to talk about Jesus? We have no idea the power of that story of Jesus in your life. That when you plant that seed, you have no idea how it can grow. See, that's what we pray. Every day, do what God's asked you to do. Do the things that you know are right. Day in and day out, people are watching you, and you're praying that someday you'll get a chance to hear somebody's story, and if they're honored, they'll allow you to share your story. So here's a question. Can you share your story in three minutes? Can you share your story of Jesus Christ in three minutes? I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but you ever overhear somebody sharing their story and you're thinking to yourself, dude, you have got to shut that down. Like they go on and on and on. And they get to Jesus at the very end. And you want to time out. Don't do that. You're wearing this person out. Listen well. Hear their story. And here's how you can break your story down. If you remember, Brad and Joni Knoll shared this, and I love. Think of one word that describes your life when you did not have Christ. One word. Now, what's the one word you'd use when you came to Christ? And what word would you use right now? That's your story. And if you can condense that, I'm telling you, when you get to Jesus, people will see what Jesus means to you. You just never know. So uh, I want to give the example of the bamboo tree. I'm kind of hoping, I don't, I don't think the soil is right on the new property, but I would love to plant a bunch of bamboo trees, and here's why. So a bamboo tree... You plant the seed, and nothing grows for five years. Think about that. But then, the next five weeks, that bamboo tree will grow 90 feet. That's impressive. So your thought is, oh, that tree took a minimum of five weeks to grow, right? Wrong. It took what? Five years and five weeks. And so many times when we plant the seeds, we want to see it immediately. And it doesn't work that way, does it? It's interesting how Christ comes around. Uh, it's, over the years, somebody will say something to me like, uh, John, you remember that one time you said that? And I'm like, no. Was it okay? You know, did I? You know, I hate it when they go, you shared that sermon and it ruined my life. You know, you don't want to hear that. But you have no idea the seeds that you plant and what God can do with that. I can't wait to see what God's going to do with the seeds that are being planted here. I really can't. Um, one of the things years ago when we started, hard to believe it's been seven years, uh, and I don't even know how it came about, but we kept saying, come as you are, come as you are. And part of that was, I don't know if you're aware of this, they did not build this for a church. Did you know that? Maybe the disco ball gave it up. Maybe the two bars can I tell you my favorite bar story? I've got a lot of them, but here's my favorite. 
<laughs> See, Marie's not here, so I can do this. Anyway, it was a Wednesday night women's Bible study, and, and I don't know who the women were. Two women were coming through the other door, through the bar, to get a Sprite. That's what they said. Anyway, they went, so they stopped at the bar, and they said, can I have a Sprite? And the bartender said, would you like me to put something in the Sprite? And they said, oh, no, 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 it's a Bible study. He said, do you want me to put something in the Sprite? <laughs> They're rolling with us here. I love the fact that you can come as you are. That is a big deal. That when you're talking to your friend or you're talking to a, a cousin or whatever, and they're like, I'm not going to church. You can say what? This isn't going to feel like church. This doesn't feel like church at all. Well, what do I wear? Whatever you want. Because it doesn't matter. Now, part of it, and this isn't out of rebellion. I shared this first service. Uh, from the time I got out of Bible college uh, in around 84 till I came back to Sherwood Oaks in 2005, I wore a tie every Sunday. Even as a youth minister, I wore a tie. So when I came back to Sherwood Oaks, I thought, I'm not going to wear a tie. When we came here, I definitely was not going to wear a tie. And I remember back in Illinois, it was a blistering hot July Sunday, and I was in the foyer, and I was shaking everybody out, and I got to about the last guy, and he could tell I couldn't wait to get that tie off. So anyway, I'm, you know, giving it one of those, and he said, man, you hate ties, don't you? I'm like, oh, I hate it. Matter of fact, I got to be honest, when I get to heaven, the guy that invented the tie, I'm going to have to apologize, because I have some ill feelings. And he said, well, it makes you think he's in heaven. Amen? Huh? <laughs> Come as you are. Number two is growth. Growth. Matthew 28. Look at verse 19. The first part of 20. Therefore go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. I'm telling you, you can't believe how powerful that is about how we grow in Christ. There's one main verb, it is imperative, and that is to make disciples. That's what we're called to do, make disciples. And then there's three supporting participles, which means this is the how to do that. You go and you baptize folks. Now, people will ask me, like, what is baptism? What, what's the deal? So here's what I've always shared, the shortest definition. Baptism, if you, if you look at Romans 6, and I love the, the story of Easter. I always ask folks, do you know what Easter's all about? And they go, oh, yeah, it's the resurrection of Jesus. That's what baptism is. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's a powerful, powerful thing. How many here have grown up in the Christian church your whole life? Raise your hand. Okay, so we got a few of you. Here's where we get in trouble. Just going to be honest with you. If you're a Christian church folk, okay, is you land so heavy on baptism. To the point of, if you're not baptized, you're going to what? Going to go to hell. Really? I, I don't think Jesus shared the gospel that way. Do you? Instead, I think the best thing to do is say, this isn't about you have to do this. This is about, it's an amazing, amazing thing to do. To give your life to Jesus Christ, to experience new life. There's a thousand other ways I'm sure you could do that, but I'm telling you, the power of witnessing a baptism. By the way, folks, you're going to get, you're going to, get to experience a baptism this morning. And I, I got to tell you, when I see those names, it reminds me, every time I see the names on that trough, this is why we're here. 
to see folks come alive in Christ and then teach them what Christ has taught the disciples. Now, why is that important? Well, first of all, let's back all the way up to we're called to make disciples. What is a disciple? We throw that word around all the time. A disciple simply means a learner, an apprentice. Uh, in the uh, times of Christ, they used to call it the dust of the rabbi. You stayed that close to your teacher. We grow by learning to be like Jesus, by learning what Jesus said. So in other words, you really need to get in the word of God. You give your life to Christ, but you've got to get in the word, and the word will get into you. So the church has to do everything it can to provide that guiding light, God's word. It is critical. But let me share with you a couple of frustrations over the years uh, that I've heard other churches even use these as taglines is, we're a New Testament church. You ever heard that phrase? We're a New Testament church. And I've heard other people say, uh, I just live by the red letters of Jesus. That's, I'm a red letter guy. And I'm trying to think a delicate way to share my opinion. That's just stupid. <laughs> That's just stupid. You know why? Can you imagine throwing out the Old Testament? Folks, seriously. I remember when I was in college, and I, this always stuck, that the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. You know what the Old Testament does? It points to the desperate, desperate desire for a Savior, and that is Jesus Christ. If you don't have the Old Testament, you don't get that. There's no way you get that. You need to see the Passover lamb. You need to see all the way from Genesis all the way to Malachi. It's pointing to Jesus Christ. And then you know what the New Testament does? It says he's here, and he's here forever. We desperately need the Old Testament. Do you know that there's over 300 specific Old Testament verses in the New Testament? Of course we need all of the Scripture. That's how we grow. But I'll tell you else how we grow. And this is hard. Uh, this is a quote. And once you think about it, we are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors, not spiritual consumers. What does that mean? That means you don't go to a church service. It means you live every day for Jesus Christ. We gather together on a Sunday morning. But I'll tell you what, folks. That's not the church. Amen? It can't be. We have to leave this place. We are not spiritual contributors. We are spiritual contributors. We're not spiritual consumers. Now, uh, this comes from the Internet, so you, you know this has to be true. But uh, there's been a lot written about people and their complaints about church. I, I think that's kind of interesting. So here are the, I'm not going to read all ten. Here are the top ten complaints people have about church. Um, I can't hear what's being said. Uh, they slur their words and mumble. The organ drowns out everything. That's an interesting one. Now, this one cracks me up. It's either too hot or it's too what? Cold. You know what that is? Marriage. Amen? That's marriage. I'm like, deal with it. Somebody's not going to be happy, okay? That's just the way it works. Here's one. The sermon is too long. Get over it. Okay, come on. Matter of fact, I, I've had very few people say, John, I just wish you'd preach longer. <laughs> they just don't say that at all. This one is, is correct. Nobody speaks to visitors. And I guarantee the person who wrote it didn't talk to any visitors, okay? Everybody sits towards the back. Well, that's true. Okay, so there are these types. Now, these are actual complaints 
that were sent in. Now, at Sherwood Oaks, this is hard to believe. I, I remember this. People would write complaints on the prayer cards. I'm not kidding. And send it in. Like, maybe that made it hold more weight. I'm going to write it on the prayer card. And here's the weird thing. Tim Thompson used to keep the complaints. And I said, why are you doing that? He goes, oh, it's just funny. I'm like, it's not funny. It's not funny. And so I decided to keep the complaint cards about Tim Thompson. Hey, yeah. And here, I, I, this is another thing. I know you don't think this is so weird, but years ago, Bobby Knight, you ever heard of that guy? He used to say, if you don't sign it, I don't read it. So, folks, if you write a complaint letter and you don't sign it and you wonder, did he read it? Here's the answer. No. It doesn't matter how long it is. If you don't sign it, you don't have the guts. you got to sign it. Now, if you sign it, I'll read it. And then I'll let Marie take care of it. So, anyway, <laughs> here's, here's one of these complaints uh, to the minister. I really appreciate the content of your sermons. I just can't stand to watch you as you deliver it. Ow! Man, that's... Wow, love mom. That's personal. Okay, um, here's one. You, to the minister, you blink too much when you preach. You're also a very pale person. What? Wow. And then here's for worship. You need to turn all the lights up during worship. You can't worship God when it's dark because he's the light. Whoa, that. I share that because if we're not careful, we all fall into that, don't we? It's so easy to complain. And I, unless a minister to me is not telling the whole truth, there are Sundays I don't want to be at church. Do you have Sundays like that? Some of you may have had that on your way here. Like you have a lot of things going on. Like I, just, I don't have time to do this. The Sundays that I really don't want to be here every time are the Sundays I need to be here. There'll be somebody who really, for whatever reason, needed something, encouragement, or just needed something. And I realized, I'm glad I was there. And here's the thing I share with people all the time um, about not just attending church, but coming in with the attitude of, Lord, I want to serve you today by encouraging someone today, because somebody's going to need that. You know why that's so important? Let's say out of the year, 50 weeks, you're the person providing that. You're helping someone. You're praying with somebody. I guarantee there'll be a Sunday or two. Guess what? You're the one that needs it. And the people gather around you and you're like, that's what family does. That's how we grow. And then last of all is to go. To go. Very short verse there. And he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That seems so simple. But put it in full context. This is from the message. Listen to verses 18 through 20. Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and he gave his charge. God authorized and he commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in a way of life, making them by marking them by baptism in this threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then instruct them in the practice of all that I have commanded you. I'll be with you. As you do this day after day after day, right up till the end of the age. Don't you love that? I shared this first service too, but I really mean this. I wish I could.
take a microphone and literally hand it to every one of you and pass it down the row. And you would just simply share. Take one minute. I want to share how Jesus Christ showed up in my life. And you'd hear endless ways how Jesus showed up. Isn't that true? Jesus shows up in his word. You ever have a morning and you're reading and the tears start welling up? You're like, that's for me. Or you're just having a terrible day and you, you flip on the radio and uh, there's a song. And they're singing to you. There's something about the power of that. Or maybe it's something in nature. Uh, I got to tell you, I was out yesterday on the Beeline Trail and Rails and Trails, and everybody was smiling. It was this, the coolest thing. It was just this feeling of, wow. And I'm telling you, God shows up. He shows up all the time. When he says, lo, I'm with you, he's with us every moment of our life. And that is a big deal. As we are trying to fulfill his mission, the fact that he's there is major. I love the Life Church. It's, uh, the pastor is Craig Groeschel. And they, have, they call this the code, and it's their vision and values. This is one of the values, and I think we're going to steal this one because I love it. We are faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. We, were, we will never insult God with small thinking and safe living. Isn't that good? That is a t-shirt. That is what we're called to be, to dream God-sized dreams. And here's something to think about, about the impact that God can have right here. So when you look at Matthew 28 and look at Acts 1-8 and do a parallel study, here's what is going to stand out. Jesus is talking to these disciples, okay? And he uses phrases like, you're going to go to the ends of the earth and you're going to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the, to the world. Now, why is that such a big deal? Do you know how far they had traveled with Jesus in his public ministry? This will probably blow you away. About a 12-mile circumference area. 85% was in a very small area. Now, to put this in comparison, the majority of the ministry was near the Sea of Galilee. So I'm going to show you a couple of pictures. Here's the Sea of Galilee. Here's what's fascinating. The Sea of Galilee is 41,019 acres. It's more of a lake, 64 square miles. Lake Monroe, ready for this? 10,750 acres. You catch my drift? Jesus is talking to these disciples. No internet, no cars, nothing, no planes. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. And they're like, what does he even mean? They don't have a clue what he means. And the formula, by the way, do you remember how the church grew? Did it grow because of good times? And the government approached them and said, we love you Christians. We'd love you to plant a church. Didn't work that way. What happened? Persecution drove them down. And they couldn't be stopped. And you know what happened? They ended up all over the world. They're worshiping Jesus Christ in Ukraine. How did that happen? Because of the Great Commission. Because that's what we're called to do. Everyone in this room, you need to understand, you not only have a seat at the table, you have permission to go. We all have to be willing to go. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. It's interesting, back in 1951, 1952, 
the United States unveiled the SS United States battleship. At that time, by far the greatest battleship ever made. Now get this, it, its fuel uh, usage, it could travel nearly 50 miles an hour and it could go on and on and on farther than any ship. It could hold 15,000 soldiers. Think about that. This thing was amazing, but it was never used in active duty. After several years, they tried to figure out the government, what are we going to do with this battleship? You know what they converted it to? A luxury liner that could hold not 15,000 soldiers, but they created staterooms that would hold 2,000 passengers. Celebrities for a decade loved it. Marilyn Monroe, Joe DiMaggio, and the list goes on and on and on. And finally, they couldn't keep it up any longer. And now it's probably just going to be thrown out. Scrap. So what happened? Well, it's real easy. It was designed to what? Go to war. And when you don't use a battleship for battle, something's wrong. And when the church is not alive because of the Great Commission, you know what's going to happen? The doors are going to shut every time. We are here to honor Jesus Christ through the Great Commission. Folks, within five minutes of here, there are 9,000 people unchurched. 9,000 people. We know them by a number, and God knows every one of their names. That's our mission, our family, our neighbors. We have an incredible mission to sow and to grow and to go. So if you look at the very bottom of the outline, what you're going to see, and I, I think this is so important, is a little area that you can tear off. You've got this month, and we really believe that the first part of the Great Commission is you got to pray. And so if you'll look in there, it says, if God has laid on your heart someone far from God or someone in need of encouragement and the spirit of peace, you just write that name, and that's for you. Then at the bottom, take that name, and you put it in. We, again, we have a box set up there. And the staff and the elders, the rest of this year, we're going to pray over those names, the names that are on your heart. Folks that just need Jesus Christ, that need his spirit to bring peace in their life, we're going to start by praying for them. And then we're going to see what God does with those seeds. And I'm telling you, folks, he can do amazing things. Years ago, years ago, there was a church in Colorado, and they identified, we did a thing called One Life. They had a thing at that church, and they, they call it the High Five. And it was five people that need Jesus. That was it. Five people who need Jesus. And the elders prayed over that list. They could not believe over the years the decisions were made simply because people started praying. So I was teaching a class on evangelism uh, with some college students, and I said, write down five names. And I said, but on the fifth name, there's a circle. And I want you to put long shot. And that long shot is, think of a person, anyone, that if they came to Christ... Only God could have done that. And they started laughing. They said, anyone? I said, I don't care if you write Oprah. I don't care. I don't care who you write. I'm not saying Oprah's bad. I'm just saying, you go crazy. Let God do what only God can do. And they're laughing. They're writing the name down. I said, now, just, just for kicks and giggles. Someday, let's say years ago, I did this exercise, and somebody wrote a long shot. How many of you 
would have been the long shot. And this was at a Bible college. You can't believe how many hands went up. And I said, don't ever give up on anyone because somebody didn't give up on you. And my guess is there's some long shots here right now in there. I was a long shot, I'll tell you that. God can do anything. We just got to be willing to go. Heavenly Father, we praise you for today. We praise you for the Great Commission. We praise you for what you're doing here and what you're going to do in the future. Lord, I just pray that we realize how important it is to have a willingness to go. It really is a co-mission, and you're with us every step of the way. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.